comics before the advent of the Silver Age. Thanks for tuning in to the Comics in Motion Network. Before we get started, remember you can follow the Classic Comics Show on Twitter at ComicsLloyd or contact the show via email at ClassicComicsNBL at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at MattB underscore Lloyd and at DCComicsNews.com where I'm assistant editor and write reviews. In the notes section, you can find the Amazon link to Black Panther and Philosophy, What Can Wakanda Offer the World, the Black Panther book to which I've contributed. And you can also check out my chapter in Politics in Gotham, The Batman Universe and Political Thought, co-authored with Ian Drake. Additionally, my co-author Ian Drake and I have turned in the first draft for another volume on Batman, Arkham Souls, The Villains and Villainesses of Gotham. I don't have a publication date for this yet, I'll be sure to share more when I can. Currently, there's a search for a new publisher for the project, so hopefully there'll be some positive news on that front soon. On to the show! Welcome to the fourth Silvery Spotlight for Classic Comics. Yes, uh, it's not been too long since the last one. We did Fantastic Four number one, but uh, we're going to dive back into the Silver Age with another issue of the Fantastic Four, actually. I mentioned I would uh, be continuing to uh, reread some of these old Fantastic Four comics and try and find a, a foothold or something. And as it turns out, you know so often you want to do an episode because you plan to do an episode and other times you just want to do an episode because something strikes you and it's what you want to read at the time and that's kind of the case today I've been reading some Golden Age uh, Human Torch uh, and some manner stuff and at the time of this recording we are in the week of uh, the uh, release of the Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever film, which of course is going to feature uh, Namor the Submariner, or at least the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of him, which certainly appears to have a number of differences from the comics, uh, although some of the trailers and scenes I've seen do maintain a lot as well. So it's all going to be in the execution, I think, in the end. But it's topical. I've been reading this uh, Human Torch Submariner stuff. Anyways, I recorded with uh, uh, Paul uh, on the uh, Super Dummies uh, show in the, in the new format, uh, Dummies Guide to Geekdom. I did the episode uh, about Namor uh, with him. So there's been a lot of Namor in my mind, so I thought, why not combine this recent... Uh, re-interest in the Fantastic Four, the recent Alex Ross uh, original graphic novel that came out a couple months ago was really good, really fun. I enjoyed that. I did the last uh, episode of the uh, Silvery Spotlight on Fantastic Four number one, trying to look at it from a different angle. And so why not do Fantastic Four number four today, the uh, introduction of Namor into the Silver Age and the Marvel Age of comics. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at that, read through that thing, and see how Namor got from his, uh, his Golden Age uh, era uh, out of limbo after his uh, demise in the 50s. Uh, for the foreseeable future and how it came back in the 
in the 60s in the Silver Age. So we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to open up a very old uh, trade I have. Uh, just called the Fantastic Four from Fireside Books. Probably got it back in the 70s, I want to say. So I've had this comic for a long time. This book for a long time. I guess I should check the uh, uh, the indice on this just to see exactly how old it is. What's the first publish date? We're at 79, so... 1979, right on the cusp of the 80s. So, I mean, I got this when I was nine years old, I guess. And it has not only uh, uh, this first Submariner uh, story in Fantastic Four number four, but a number of other uh, stories. So this is going to be by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And it's cover dated May 1962. And right here on the cover, we've got Namor with Sue in his arms running back into the water as the rest of the Fantastic Four pursue him. And Johnny calls out, Stop him! If the Submariner reaches the water, he'll become invincible. So the thing is still drawn uh, less uh, less defined rocks, more, uh, more bulky, I guess. Uh, uh, lesser definite, defined uh, appearance he had at the beginning. So let's go ahead and get started and check it out. The Fantastic Four and the Coming of the Submariner, Chapter 1, On the Trail of the Torch. At a secret skyscraper hideout in the caverns of New York, three of the most fantastic humans on Earth are found. But, where is the fourth? Somewhere out there, among the teeming millions of the city, the human torch is hiding from us, and we've got to find him. Bah, for all I care, he can stay hidden. He's nothing but a spoiled brat of a teenager. What do we need him for? How can you talk that way about my brother? He may be hurt or in trouble. Don't worry about the torch, Sue. I'm sure he's okay. As for you, Thing, it's your fault that he ran off. Sure, sure, everything around here is my fault. But it is your fault, Thing. Your fault that the torch is hiding out from us, as well as from the police and the army. Remember how he tackled the monster which the Miracle Man had brought to life? He was one of us, then. Single-handed, he fought the enormous creature, and single-handed, he defeated him. Finally, thanks to the torch, our atomic cannon was returned safely to the army. Everyone was happy about it, Thing, but not you. No, you were jealous of the torch's achievement, and so you picked an argument with him, an argument which made him want to desert all of us. I'm through with the Fantastic Four. Understand? Through. Torch, wait! Well, we're not going to let it end that way. We're going to find that boy, and that means you too, Thing. You bet it means me, and when I do find him, I'll teach him to run off on us that way. Oh, Reed, if he harms the torch... Easy, Sue. He won't hurt him. I swear it. A few minutes later, at the Fantastic Four sky, sky Top Hangar, we'll use the Fantastic Car to search the city. This is the first time that the torch's section was left behind. This is where we separate, release sections, and of course the Fantastic Car uh, separates into four different sections as well as it can come together to be one vehicle so they each have their own section at this point to uh, travel around. The first one to sight him will contact the others. Good luck! And so the long search begins. Sue Storm, the Torch's sister, lands in the center of town. The Torch loved this neighborhood where there were so many other teenagers, but no matter how well Sue Storm can search a city, the invisible girl can do it better. And now she's sitting at a, uh, a lunch counter, sipping on a soda, invisible. And there's a, a guy sitting next to her, a teenager. Funny, I could have sworn I saw that straw move. Searching and surfy thirsty, I'll stop for a soda. The glass is getting empty. 
It's good. Let me out of here. This place is haunted. That's more like it. Now back to the search. So a little humorous uh, interlude there. Meanwhile, what of Mr. Fantastic? There are some cyclists, perhaps facing the torch. Now, when Mr. Fantastic says cyclists, what he means is motorcyclists. Uh, so they're a typical, I guess, uh, 50s, 60s uh, motorcycle gang like you might have seen uh, on the font with the Fonz on Happy Days. Uh, he reaches out, grabs one, and interrogates him. Mr. Fantastic, gee, I never knew you were for real. I'm real enough, son, but if you don't know where Johnny Storm is, I have no more time to waste with you. Wow, Mr. Fantastic himself lets me ride off my cycle. I've got to keep trying. Sooner or later, I'll find some teenager who's seen him. And little does he realize that less than one mile away, Swanson's garage. boy, Johnny, you're getting it. Wow, nobody can modify an engine like you, Johnny. Oh, you're only saying that because it's true. Boy, just think, the whole country's looking for the Human Torch. And he's right here with us, working on our sport car engines. Johnny flames on and uses it to help weld part of an engine. Unbeknownst to Johnny and his pals, though. Outside, it's the thing. Before I knock myself out searching the whole city, I'll play a hunch. That brat used to hang around here fiddling with hot rods every chance he got. And he smashes through the uh, through the, the back wall of the garage. Hey, I can feel the heat. He's inside. The thing. You're blame right. It's the thing, Torch. And now I'll teach you what happens to deserters. And your flame doesn't scare me now. I know you can't move while you're burning, because there's gasoline all over here. One spark, and your pals are done for. Chapter 2. Enter the Submariner. The Thing lifts up a, the car they've been working on and throws it. It misses Johnny, but crashes to the other side of the wall. And Thing uh, uh, tries to grab Johnny, and he's got him cornered. Don't worry, sonny boy. I'm not going to spoil your pretty features. I'll just rough you up a little bit. Teach you who's boss once and for all. Johnny's backed into the corner of the uh, of the building. Don't try it, Thing. I'm warning you. You. You're warning me while... Hey, what's happening? I'm, I'm changing. I'm human again. I'm Ben Grimm again. At last. At last. A man. I'm a normal human being. Johnny quickly thinks. It's his chance. He can flame on and fly away. Ben calls after him. Go on, Torch. Fly off. What do I care? I'm human again. The poor fool. He should know by now his change is only temporary. That was a, uh, a thing that happened to the thing in the early issues of the Fantastic Four. He had moments where he would turn back human, and then, as we see in the next few page panels, he turns right on back to being the thing. As the thing sinks to his knees in helpless rage, Johnny Storm reaches the outskirts of the Bowery. This is... This is one place nobody will find me. I'll just lose myself among all the other human derelicts here. Might as well send... Might as well find a place to sack down for the night. I guess this one is no worse than the others. And he goes into a, uh... You know, a room with a bunch of other guys that are just down on their luck and they've got a free bed for the night. Well, it's not the Waldorf, but it will keep me safely hidden while I plan my next move. Say, look at this beat-up comic mag. It's from the 40s. And it's a comic book with the Submariner. The Submariner. 
I remember Sis talking about him once. He used to be the world's most unusual character. So the seed of the uh, unrequited romance between Sue and uh, Namor is planted uh, just at the first mention of the character when Johnny sees this comic book. Yeah, just like Sis said, he could live underwater and was the strongest ten men. I wonder what ever happened to him. He was supposed to be immortal. Read about the Submariner, huh? Says the guy next to him. We got a stump of him right here who's as strong as that Joker was supposed to be. Hey, old man, wake up. And we see a, a guy in a, a dark blue uh, coat, uh, long hair, long mustache and beard covering most of his face. Come on, old man, we got us a new tenant. Show him what you can do. Go away. I want to sleep. Let me be. Why don't you leave your fellow alone? He's probably tired. He's never too tired to show how strong you are. Are you, old man? Come on, you magey bum. Tear this one if we can half tear it, I said. And he, one arm smacks it out of his hands. Go away, you puny flea. All right, boys. Let's teach him another lesson. And they jump him. Uh, the other guys in the, in the flop house. And, well... A few panels later, they're uh, they're coming back at him with some weapons, and uh, Torch gets a look at him and says, "Hold on, let him alone. Can't you see he's ill? He's got amnesia, a loss of memory. He doesn't even know who he is." Yeah, well, we're gonna help him find his memory. Sure, we'll beat it back into him. Why bother? I'll show you an easier way. Torch lights his finger on fire and use it to burn away the long hair and the beard and mustache revealing the one and only it it is it is he he's a submariner Ta -da. so he's back chapter three let the world beware but first let's get a quick message from the comics in motion network a new show on the Comics in Motion Network comes to you from Matthew B. Lloyd of Classic Comics. Earth 2 in the Bronze Age. Imagine twin Earths, each the image of the verdant globe on which we live. Imagine these two worlds forever separated by a limbo of interdimensional space. Identical planets evolving separately across the millennia each witnessing the birth of man, then the dawn of civilization. And finally, the beginning of the age of superheroes. On one world we'll call Earth 2, the superheroes begin to arrive in the early part of the 20th century when a rocket ship brought the star child Kal-El to safety. Kal-El begins his career as Superman in the early days of World War II as the first of the great heroes. Soon he was joined by other heroes, and they joined forces to form the first super team in history, the Justice Society of America. Thus the two worlds knowingly coexist, one inhabited by the familiar Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and other heroes of the Justice League, and the other Earth by the original superheroes. These are the legendary members of the Justice Society. <laughs>
1982 in the Bronze Age. Available only on the Comics in Motion Network. Found wherever your podcasts find you. Hi, I'm Allison Shelton, writer and creator of the indie comic Reburn. You may have heard about us on Indie Comics Spotlight, thanks to Tony and Rhea. Reburn follows May, a superpowered woman who takes on the cult-like utopian society that ripped her life apart. Our comic picks up when she's ready to burn it all down. We're incredibly proud of our all-female team. Myself, artist Elise McCall, editor Jessica Patel, colorist Hilary Jenkins, and letterer Joe McGill. Renowned comic writer and artist Kari Andrews said of Reburn, It's an impressive debut, a violent, visceral, and emotion-fueled spectacle. A story you need to read right now. We agree. And we have hard copies and digital copies of issues one through four available on our website, reburncomic.com. That's R-E-B-U-R-N comic.com. Check it out. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Chapter 3 let the world beware. At the very moment that Johnny Storm makes his incredible discovery, the other members of the Fantastic Four are continuing their strange search. Are you sure you've seen no trace of a flaming teenager blazing through the sky? Reed has uh, accosted a uh, helicopter uh, news, uh, news crew, uh, and they have not seen Johnny. He checks then uh, the passengers on an elevated train, Meanwhile, Sue is out in the uh, in the streets, and he ends. She ends up in the Bowery where Johnny was. The Bowery, haven of lost souls. I can't believe that Johnny would ever come here. And she doesn't see him, but they are passing right behind him as Johnny leads Namor uh, away from the the flop house. Come on, pal. If you're the Samariner, I know one thing that'll bring your memory back. Thus does Johnny toy with the lives of humans, and so, unwittingly, the invisible girl walks away from the very one she seeks. Okay, the coast is clear. Torch flames on, grabs uh, the Samariner, takes him out over the water, and drops him right into the ocean. If he is a Samariner, the water will bring back his memory and his full powers. If not, I'll dive in and save him. Uh, so, we have to remember... Uh, as you can tell, it, since, since Johnny was reading a comic book about Namor, that in the Marvel Universe, uh, the comics existed of the characters, uh, I guess, in way in ways that were, uh, you know, didn't reveal secret identities and stuff, and you know, maybe not had all the details of stories as they quote-unquote actually happened. So that's why there were comic books of the Submariner about a person who was real inside the the Marvel Universe. So, uh, Namor's down on the water. He kicks off his uh, his shoes and takes off the, the suit he's wearing. 
Once submerged in the mighty sea, a startling chain comes over the strange derelict. In one sweeping motion, he hurls his outer garments from him and stands revealed as the legendary Prince of the Sea, the invincible Namor, the Submariner. I remember now. I am the Submariner. My family, my friends, my undersea kingdom. I must return. Traveling in his native element like a careening torpedo, Prince Namor soon reaches his almost forgotten land, only to find destroyed. It's all destroyed. The glow in the water, its radioactivity. Now I know what happened. The humans did it unthinkingly with their accursed atomic, at atomic tests. My people could not be harmed by radiation, but when their homes were destroyed, they must have gone elsewhere. The oceans are vast, endless. How shall I ever find them? Namor swims back to the dock where Johnny's waiting. He's back. You young fool. Do not feel proud of what you have done, for by returning my memory you have signed the death warrant of the human race. What what are you talking about? Revenge I'm talking about. The revenge I shall have for the destruction of my utter undersea kingdom. I am the mightiest mightiest living mortal on earth, and now mankind shall feel that might that is turned against you all. Chapter four Submariner's Revenge no sooner does Namor utter those fateful words than the three other members of the mighty foursome back at their headquarters again, planning their next move. Look! A flare! It must be the torches! Let's go! Hurry! He must be in danger! It's the emergency signal! And in the streets below, all eyes turn skyward as they behold the most dramatic, most exciting secret symbol of all. It came from the waterfront. I knew he'd need us. That brat can't stay out of trouble without us. Faster, Reed! Faster! Easy, Sue! We're almost there! There he is. He's all right. Thank heavens he's all right. What's the idea scaring us that way? You know that flare is only to be used in emergencies. Quiet thing. This is an emergency, you big ape. Do you think I'd have called you if it wasn't important? I never wanted to see any of you again. But we're going to need each other now. The Samariner is back, and he's out to destroy the whole human race. The Samariner? I thought he died long ago. Nobody's heard of him for years. He's alive all right, and he's more dangerous than ever. Ah, who's worried? Nothing human can stand up to the thing. That's the scary part, mister. He isn't human. No, Namor, Prince of the Sea, isn't quite human, for his race was old when the stars were young and many fathoms below. I'll unleash a monster such as mankind has never dreamed of. There he is, still slumbering as he has done for ages, the largest living thing in all the world, the deadly Giganto. Only one thing can arouse him, this trumpet horn, which my ancestors buried here centuries ago. Hearing the undersea, the eerie undersea blast, with one earth-shaking shrug, the undersea behemoth shakes off the sleep of ages, and... I've done it. I've awakened the monster. Now nothing can stop him. He'll follow the trumpet horn, wherever it leads. And in the hands of the Submariner, it leads to the surface world. And we see uh, some ships that are in danger and terrified, trying to radio the the mainland. And uh, because of the things that have been going on in the first three issues of the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe, they actually believe uh, the reports they're getting, and they're prepared with uh, military. And the military opens fire with uh, howitzers, it looks like. Uh, uh, fire against this gigantic sea beast that is uh, now standing uh, in the water higher, taller than any of the skyscrapers in New York City, and uh, uh, he doesn't seem to be harmed by any of the uh, 
the weapons. So, the military weapons. So, Fantastic Four jumps into battle against against the uh, Giganto. He starts crashing through the buildings. He's on the shore. He'll wreck all of New York if he isn't stopped. One side woman, I got me an idea. What is it, Thing? What can you do? Moving like a man possessed, the Thing races from one military depot to another until he finds a nuclear bomb strapped to his back. I still can't believe it. Oh, Thing, you can't. Relax, Sue. I'm no hero. I'll come back alive. Just watch. All I've got to do is slip through that Joker's teeth and get inside like Jonah and the Whale. Then I've got to get out again before it goes off. Yeah, that's all. He's resting now. Good thing he breathes through his mouth. Well, here goes nothing. It sure is an eerie feeling. I'm so small, he doesn't even notice me. Chapter 5. Return to the Deep. Slowly, warily, knowing that each step might be his last, the thing stalks deeper and deeper inside the gigantic sea creature. Now, this is a really neat uh, splash page at the beginning of this chapter. And uh, we got the, it's like the inside from Giganto, I guess, looking looking out. And then the thing is walking uh, down the, uh, uh, the throat, I guess, towards the stomach. Past the long since forgotten remains of ancient vessels, ocean craft which had fallen victim to Giganto long ago. And then suddenly, Yow! I should have guessed that a giant like him would be apt to swallow lots of undersea monsters alive. And here's one of them. So he gets into a fight with a, uh, an, a, a monster that's been swollen, swallowed by Giganto at some point. Uh, and. The, the timing of the bomb is, is ticking at the same time, but now Thing has to get out, and he gets out uh, just in time to where the blast just pushes him out of the mouth uh, a little bit uh, at the very end, uh, killing Giganto, but uh, the Thing makes it out alive. He saved the city, perhaps the world. Easy, Johnny, don't drop him. The shock must have knocked him out. Oh, he's coming too. I didn't think anything could stun the big gorilla. I hate to say it, Thing, but I'm proud of you. Big deal. That and the dime will get me a cup of coffee. Quiet, you two. Who's that? You'll find out soon enough who I am. The whole world will know the Submariner. You haven't beaten me yet. As long as I have this horn, I can summon countless other sea monsters to attack you. But then... So the horn... It's the horn that does it. That's what I was waiting to hear. What? And Sue, invisible, has grabbed the horn that Namor was using to control the sea monster. Uh, taking it from him as he's running off. I've got to get this to the others. I've got to. It's floating in air. No, that can't be. I'll find the answer. Ah, I thought so. It's a human, an invisible human. And he has caught up with Sue and grabbed her. Oh, stop struggling. No one can escape Prince Namor. Seeing that her plight is hopeless, Sue Storm becomes visible again, and, well, here is a prize worth catching. And so he has grabbed her and is holding her in his arms, as one might carry a uh, new bride over a threshold. And Namor says, you're the loveliest human I've ever seen. If you will be my bride, I might show mercy to the rest of the, your pitiful race. How can I make such a choice? You won't have to, Sue. We're here now. We'll never menace. He'll never menace mankind again. You fools. I gave you your chance. But now, 
Now I'll have the revenge, my, the girl and my revenge. This time I shall blow the horn. I shall blow this horn. I shall unleash a horde of undersea monsters such as mankind never dreamt of. He means it. He might do it. We can't take the chance. No, Prince Seymour, you mustn't. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll become a bride. One life such as mine doesn't matter, but humanity must be spared. You speak as though you are sacrificing yourself. Don't you realize what an honor I offer you? You can become Princess Namor, bride of the Submariner, co-ruler of Earth. This has gone far enough. Somebody's got to show anymore. He can't defeat mankind single-handed. Let me tackle him. I can't wait to get my hands on that big talking fish man. But having regained his full strength again, the undersea monarch scatters his astonished attackers like tenpins. Back, you clods! None may strike the imperial person of Namor the Submariner. He's more powerful than we thought. You two stay back while I... Not this time, Reed. This calls for a stunt that only the humanoids can pull off. Flame on! I've got to get high above the Submariner before he suspects what I'm going to do. Reaching a height of 1,000 feet, the amazing human torch suddenly flies in an ever-expanding circle directly above the Submariner, creating an awesome man-made tornado of unimaginable force. So powerful is the suction, and so accurately does the torch pinpoint the vortex that I'm being sucked into the air. I can't fight. The pressure is unbearable. I'm blacking out. And still the irresistible force continues, drawing Namor and the sea monster higher and higher, until finally the torch maneuvers his victims over the deepest part of the vast ocean, and then, there, that'll show him he bit off more than he can chew. During the swirling, dizzy descent, the menacing sea trumpet slips from Namor's limp fingers to be lost in the depths of the murky sea forever. And moments later, revived by the ocean's magic healing powers, the submariner makes a fateful, a vengeful vow. I'm not yet beaten. They're stronger than I thought, but not strong enough to finish Namor. I'll be back, do you hear? I'll be back. Yes, perhaps he will be back, but when Submariner returns, he will still have to face the most incredible quartet of humans in all the world. You shouldn't have let him return to the sea, Torch. I've got a hunch he'll be back. If he dares return, he'll find us waiting. I swear it. The End When Story Still Had The End So there it is. So I think uh, I'm going to definitely recommend you check out Paul's uh, episode on Namor that I, I did with him. Uh, this is a great companion issue to what we talked about, especially Namor's motivations and characterization in, in comics. Um, you know, he was the, definitely a villain, <laughs> even though he was the lead character in his own series, in his own stories back in the his first appearance in 1939 for a number of issues, and he finally uh, was convinced to fight uh, against the Nazis by uh, policewoman Betty Dean, who he took a, a liking to, and here we see that same uh, theme uh recapitulated with Sue Storm uh, in that role instead of uh, policewoman Betty Dean the the submariner's weakness is 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 women uh, it's kind of interesting but uh you know he's he's got a lot of hubris that is going to uh, bring him down as well but there you have it it's a neat story especially if uh if you've never uh if you've never heard his his uh, his return to the the comic book world, it's uh 
it's interesting they would have brought him back so quickly, or not quickly, but so soon in launching the Fantastic Four, instead of trying to come up with a, a, a brand new character we have, you know, the Fantastic Four, the Human Torch, based on one of Marvel's other characters, uh, Mr. Fantastic, based uh, clearly on Plastic Man uh, from the Golden Age, uh, from Quality Comics, and then we get, just four issues in, we get the Submariner, so we've revived uh, Tommy's other greatest greatest character as well but that's a fun issue to read I enjoyed that uh, I'm not sure where this uh, episode falls in the uh, in the uh, in the course of recording different episodes here and there with some different people so uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit of a surprise uh, when you get it and I'm not really sure what's next but just uh, stay tuned and I hope you enjoy this episode I really did uh, uh, I really am glad I got to do another uh, Fantastic Four issue as well as put the pieces uh, together on some of this Submariner stuff I've been reading. All right. Thanks again for listening. Uh, make sure you join me back here next month. Now go read some comics. All right.